the Flushing girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, Miss Fine. Hello, and welcome to Oh, Mr. Sheffield, a podcast about the nanny. Uh, I am uh, Shandi Pasquale, here with Toria Sheffield. Hello. And we are talking about episode 16 of Fran Drescher's amazing sitcom, The Nanny. Uh, season 1, episode 16, Schlepped Away, which is a parody title of, of the movie Sh- Swept Away. I almost said it again, of Swept Away. <laughs> and um, basically, uh, it is the one in which their vacation gets postponed by a snowstorm and they all end up at Sylvia's house. Sylvia uh, being this- Fran's mother. Yes. Yeah, Fran's mom. Um, yes. And the episode starts as they often do with the family around the breakfast table. And it's established that it's been snowing in New York for days and days. And they haven't seen the sun in forever. And they decided they're going to take a family vacation to the Caymans. Um, uh, so that sets everything off. Yeah. Um, this episode also, we should note, was directed by Linda Day. And it was written, this is another episode that Fran and her husband Mark wrote together, or her ex-husband Mark wrote together. So um, we've covered a couple of these already. We've had a couple of them, including the pilot. And I find that these episodes are generally pretty strong. Like, I think the My Fair Lady episode was also uh, Fran and Mark, if I'm not mistaken. Um- Yes, they they often do episodes that hinge on Mr. Sheffield and Fran basically being de facto married, but not really married. And this is kind of one of them because they're going to go vacation together. Um, And I also have this little note that um, at the beginning when Fran finds out that she's going to get to go away with them, she shares a quote hot tip about the buffet. And she says, go right past the bread and go to the seafood. And I wrote, that was my Nana Molly to a T. Whenever we'd go to this Chinese food buffet, we were forbidden to quote Philip on rice uh, because you didn't get your money's worth <laughs> with the rice. Um, and so that actually kind of segues to what, what I think is the biggest delight about this whole episode is I, I felt like it was it was like written for me and like every everything, the last detail in this apartment where Fran grew up reminded me of my grandparents' home in Florida. Um and so, so that will, that's what was fun about it personally for me, but, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they also, they, I feel like the, well, so this was the episode we mentioned last week when we were talking about, um, the, the writers of this show just wanting to include Niles in, in every, in every possible scenario, even if it's completely nonsensical that he would be there. And so this episode, when they find, when they do finally all get together and they're going to go away on vacation, they all get into the limo uh, to drive to the airport and, and, and they're all in the backseat of this limo and Cece's also with them, even though she's not going on vacation with them, but they're going to drop her off somewhere, <laughs> um, which is enough of a stretch. But then the camera like pans over and Niles has a line and you see he's driving and then Mr. Sheffield's like, Niles, wh- why are you driving the limo? And he's like, Oh, I just, I would just wanted to be there to say goodbye to you, sir. And, and it's like, it it makes no sense that Niles would be driving. Like it's it's completely ridiculous, and mm-hmm. even the line doesn't really sell. And it, it was yes, you know. it was, Mr. Sheffield was like, "Oh, Niles, you didn't need to insist to drive us." And Niles said something like, "Nothing will stop me from making sure you get on that plane." You know, being like he's so eager to have them out of the house so he can have alone time that he would physically drive them to the airport himself. But it was a completely like sitcommy 
plot device to get them all together. Um, because what ends up happening is uh, Fran insists that she knows a shortcut to get to the airport. She ends up having them drive in and out of these neighborhoods in Queens. She gets totally lost and is like, let's just stop at my mother's place, regroup. Um, uh, Cece can use the bathroom because she has to pee. And, and then I'll know my way from my mother's apartment. But when they, after stopping into the apartment, um, they find out that all of the airports have closed. This is like a huge blizzard coming. Which so like, they are now, oh, and the bridges are closed back to Manhattan. I felt like the, uh, my one of my notes early on in this episode was like Fran's reasoning for going to her mom's is weak, but I'm, I mean, like I get why they had to get there eventually, but it's like, a t- it's like, it like stretches the credibility of believability, you know, believability. Like, yes. Everything that gets them a all together and then gets them to Fran stuck in Fran's parents apartment and the apartment that she grew up in feels contrived and like honestly she could have i would have honestly believed it more if she was like oh my god i realized my favorite bathing suit is uh at my mother's so we have to stop there like that would have somehow made more sense to me yes that's all they needed actually was to just be like i want to stop at my mom's on the way to the airport and then they get in the car and it's snowy and you could even still do this scene where they're like lost getting to her mom's where she's like, I thought it was just here. Just take another left, take another left. Like, and then, and then get to the mom's rather that they feel like they went through so much effort to be like, Oh, I guess, well, the only way I'll know directions to the airport is if we start at my mother's house, it's yeah. which is like, <laughs> okay. I guess. Um, also before we get too deep into the, 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 the chunk of the the bulk of the episode, there's a line in the beginning where they're excitedly talking about vacation. It's it's another breakfast scene and they're talking about going on vacation. And Maggie says something about being really excited for like the lifeguards and like going in the pool and like floating. And then Brighton says, I'm super excited to see Maggie floating face down in the water. And like, everyone just kind of goes like, ha ha. And then they brush past it. But like, is Brighton a serial killer? What is happening <laughs> with this character? It's just, it was a very mean thing to say to your it's, sister. Uh, <laughs> it's a psychotic thing to say, basically, period. Like, I'm so excited. I hope I hope she drowns while we're there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Again, they just shoehorn lines. They just feed Brighton lines because he's a kid that can deliver them well, even if an 11-year-old would never say them. Um, they, they play him like he's 20, basically. Um, and no, I, I clocked that as well. Um, oh, and so, you know, also Maggie, yes, she's going to be totally boy crazed and she's excited to see the lifeguards and the muscly boys on the beach. So they all have these things that they're really looking forward to on this vacation. I also have a note that uh, I wrote, Fran rubs this in Cece's face so hard because at first Cece thinks she might get to join them on the vacation. And then Mr. Sheffield is like, oh no, like this is really a chance for me just to, you know, spend time with the family, Cece. At which point, uh, Fran comes in going, Mr. Sheffield, look at the bikini I got for the honeymoon. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) vacation. And like says this pointedly at Cece. And then she holds up this um, tiny bikini and he's like, ah, yes, Gracie will look adorable in that. And she goes, Gracie, no, this is for me. Um, And we're just supposed to be like, ha, Cece's pathetic. And uh, it's sort of to the point now where I'm like, God, Cece, you're a sad son of a bitch. Like, I just, this is just awful. Um, But, oh, so they they get to this this 
like small two bedroom apartment. I guess it's not that small, but it's a queen's apartment. And the thing about it, you know, we've seen it once before in the Here Comes the Brood episode where they're getting ready for this wedding, but it is an apartment where all of the furniture is covered in plastic. There are knickknacks everywhere. There's fake flowers. There's a menorah. There's kitsch covering every surface. And like, again, that was my grandparents' house. Like that was how they decorated. My grandmother found things at yard sales that she thought were exquisite and she would get them for like a dollar twenty-five. And it would be like this multicolored pastel pink ceramic, <laughs> you know, fruit bowl. Yeah. Um, and or one with the actual fake grapes and strawberries and oranges in it, and, and it would be all over the apartment. Um, and it really is that aesthetic. Yeah, it's uh, old lady Jewish chic. Yeah, and I also mean, my 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 um my great grandmother's house looked exactly like Sylvia's apartment, like like eerily similar to Sylvia's decor, down to the plastic on the couch. My grandmother was a little bit more. <clears throat> she didn't have like the plastic on the couch. She kind of, I, I, you know, she kind of moved away from some of that, but like a lot of it was still very similar. She had a lot of tchotchkes, a lot of random things on shelves that were important to her, but weren't actually fancy or worth like saving the way she did. I mean, I know I remember when my grandma died, my mom was like, what am I supposed to do with all these things? These are all like collectible. They're all worth money. And then I started looking all of the things up on like antique websites and stuff and nothing was worth any money. You know, like it was, because it was all shit that like, got sold to them as like, this is going to be worth money someday. But like everyone was buying that crap, you know, like, like, like plates that they bought off of TV uh-huh. that were like special plates with collectors item certificates for how like special this China would be someday. And it's like, yeah, but everyone bought that. So it's not worth anything. Yeah. No. (laughs) Um, Well, and so then they're stuck at Sylvia's apartment and for the foreseeable next couple days, all of them as a group, and they're going to try to quote unquote, have their vacation there. But that basically just means they're sort of sitting in their vacation clothes, eating TV dinners, eating tongue that Sylvia has made and watching like the price is right and wheel of fortune. Um, and I don't know about you, but I, there was this, at one point Fran's like, well, why don't we have a happy hour? And she pulls out wine and she goes, do you want red or purple? I got so excited. Uh, I wrote Manischewitz. Yes. Yes. So that also hit so close to home. And then, you know, CC or someone's like, don't you have anything else? And she's like, Bailey's. And she has this little like a uh, travel size bottle of Bailey's that was just clearly like grabbed from a hotel room. And, and that was also the only kind of alcohol that my grandparents had around. They, they were not big drinkers, you and know, it was very sweet wines, sweet al- dessert alcohols. You know what's funny is Elizabeth and I don't really drink, and all we would buy, all we do have if we have alcohol in our house is Moscato or Bailey's. So, <laughs> yeah. did, your, did your grandparents ever have anything hard? My grandparents, no, no one in my family ever had hard liquor. No one, no one was really drinkers. They, my grandparents had like a cabinet with like half drunk stuff that was like 45 years old that was never opened. And like the labels, I remember like when I, when I like got old enough to be like, Ooh, I can like steal alcohol now. Like everything was always expired and like the labels were brown or like the cork would break off into it. Cause it was like so dried out. So, so it's exactly the same. And my, I mean, my grandfather, and I don't even know if this is true, but he claimed 
that Jewish people just there, they don't have a problem with alcohol. He used to talk about the men who used to go home after, who used to, instead of going home after work, would go out and spend their paychecks at bars and he had nothing but disdain for it. Um, and they, he, he sort of insinuated that it was, it was like a Gentile thing to sort of like have big drinkers. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. That's what he used yeah. to say. Hey, listen, that, uh, listen, maybe who knows? I mean, my dad's side of the family, which are, they're Italian Catholics. Um, uh, there's some drinking problems on that side of the family. So, <laughs> but not, yeah, I mean, not on the my, church side. No, no. I mean, my, my mother used to be horrified by my father's alcohol consumption, which was again, like a pre-dinner drink and a post-dinner drink. And she was like, he has a problem. So what, what well, she doesn't mean, talk like that, but like, <laughs> she doesn't sound like that at all. But she, she's very, um, my Jewish side is very, um, distrustful and fearful of alcohol, I would say. Yeah, that, that tracks. But what makes this episode work really well, actually, is the juxtaposition between all of the stuff, all of the, for lack of a better term, Jewish Easter eggs that are found throughout this, this episode. But then there's also, you get the flip side of it, which is like this episode, uh, the comedy heavily hinges on like the, um, the fish out of water culture shock that the Sheffields go through in Mm -hmm. this like, sort of like lower middle class, you know, Jewish home. Um, and like one of my favorite bits is, is Mr. Sheffield not knowing what Gilligan's Island is and being very (laughs) perplexed about the show and that like, they never get off the Island. And that, and that is like both, I think speaking to like, that he's like so rich and busy that he doesn't have time for like television. But also I think it's like, because he's British, they don't have the same television. They didn't grow up on the same TV. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's great, man. It's such a funny bit. That made me laugh like a lot. Um, and, yes. and then there's Brighton enjoying all of the, um, all of the, the class, like the, 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 the like blue collar jokes scattered around the apartment. Like there's like a, there's like a whoopee cushion and there's a pillow that says, that says who cut the cheese. And the- yeah. And he's playing like Mahjong or something with Sylvia. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah. Yeah. And um, meanwhile, Maggie gets paired off with this, boy who lives in the apartment and i wrote he looks like he's 40 but i looked it up this guy this his the character's name is kenny and i think he's going to be in at least several more episodes it's he's comedian greg rogel wrote i think it's rogel with a hard guh he is a long island new york comedian he has appeared on the tonight show conan louis half-baked he's he's legitimate um working comedian and um he plays this young Jewish aspiring comedian in the show as well. And I think in later episodes, they actually use some of his actual stand-up bits, but, but I wrote, is he supposed to be 17? He looks 40. The actor was actually 27 at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Maggie has her own little thing going on with the boys she meets in the apartment. Um, and the thing is that much as, you know, we, we discuss sometimes the like crux of, the conflict doesn't happen until much later in this, in these episodes. And at this point, maybe it's more the midpoint. The thing is Fran is, she discovers a note that the butcher has written to her mother. And it's like a flirty love note. It's something like, you know, my, like Sylvia, my heart is with you always. And the thing is, one thing that we really haven't touched on yet is this whole time, starting from like scene one of this episode, 
Fran is talking about how she has such wonderful memories of her family and vacationing with them. And even when it was hot and sticky and humid, it didn't matter because you were with your family. And she was so excited to sort of like bring the Sheffields into this apartment that she grew up with because she always says, you know, we didn't always have a lot, but we always had love and we had warmth. And my parents really built this loving home for us. And then she feels like it was just this huge lie. She thinks that her mother is having an affair with the butcher and cheating on her father. And it's like her whole um, reality is shaken. Um, Wow. The Sheffields are all crammed in this apartment with her. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, but that's, again, that comes later. It's more the midpoint. Yeah, but... <clears throat> I I actually think that that is a perfect kind of B plot for the midpoint. I mean, I mean, this episode was the one where they're all in Sylvia's apartment together, you know, like that, that was definitely like the A plot and the hook and they got to it pretty quickly. I mean, I could have done without them being lost in the limo, (laughs) but uh, you know, what what are you going to do? But, but I think that that was sort of the, the mean, and then, and then even another like layer below that, I think was also about establishing, Again, Fran brings so much joy and makes this broken family that she moved in with feel like a family because, you know, she's, they, they're all bummed out. She's the first one to like go put on her like vacation outfit and be like, we're going to make the best of it. Like, you know, and then by the end of the episode, they're all wearing their vacation clothes mm-hmm. and they are making the best of it and they are having a great time. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like the the Sylvia plot was like just perfect for like, like a, a little B runner that, that, that again, syncs up perfectly with the A story and that, you know, everything that you were explaining that it's Fran is sort of bringing everyone here because she has all these amazing memories and she's trying to make these memories for, for her, you know, kids for lack of a better term. And, and, and then that's kind of shattered, you know, very briefly. And, and then, and then we get a, I, what I thought was like a really hilarious resolution to that to that plot line too. Oh, it was a, it was hilarious, and then I think really um, there was some grains of tr- life truth in there. Um, Absolutely. Because- yeah, there's, you know, there's this period of time where like Fran is skulking around thinking her her whole life, her whole childhood has been a lie. Um, she's talking to Miss, she's sidebarring with Mr. Sheffield about it, about how horrible this all is. And then it sort of culminates in this big fight between, I think I said culminates like an Australian person, didn't I? It sort of slipped out weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's your British uh, roots. It, it <laughs> um, in, um, it in this big fight between Fran and Sylvia in the kitchen, which is very funny because the kitchen only has these like very flimsy dividers between the rest of the apartment. So everyone can hear this happening. And, um, oh, and we should say that meanwhile, Fran's father is never on screen. I think we've established that they are definitely doing that thing where we never actually meet the actor. Like he's always either in the bathroom or he's cutting yeah. his toes in the bedroom. He's always off doing something gross and old manish and funny. But so he's not around during this whole fight. Which, but- and I and I looked, he does eventually show up 
So I don't even get like, I, I I don't know if it was like, they thought it would be a funny bit that they would just never show him. And then eventually the show went on for so long. They were like, "Ugh, we need to cast this guy because we need plots. Um, or if it was that they very specifically wanted an actor that then they just couldn't get until they got him. I'm not really sure, but, but I love that he never shows up and I almost wish that they never did it, that he never showed up on the show once. I was convinced after this episode that 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 was the route they were taking. But, oh, okay. I guess we'll meet. Yeah, it seems like no matter what, he's going to be a letdown now. I I love having him be the guy that you just – you imagine. um, You fill in the blank. But – so Oh, but so Fran and her mom are – they're – in this fight and you know sylvia's like what is your problem and fran's like my problem is like you've been running around behind dad's back with paul zazaznik the butcher you know i found your note and her mom is like genuinely shocked and taken aback and she's like what she's like no she's like that that's flirting we flirt and she's like (laughs) she's like and your father knows about it and she (laughs) fran's like what and he's like yeah, sometimes he comes down to watch Paul wink at me, to, to watch Paul hand me the meat. So it's clearly this like kinky thing in her parents' relationship that, you know, her father enjoys it when she's getting other att- attention from other men. And then there's also this beat that, I mean, really, I think the life truth of it all, you know, Sylvia ultimately is like, you know, you can make fun because you're still young, but the reality is I don't turn heads anymore. Um, but when, you know, the butcher winks at me with his good eye, I feel young again. And I'm like, you know, and then, you know, it was a really like, it, it sort of reminded me of that moment when um, Mr. Sheffield's nanny um, drops some like real honest truth about like what it's like being somebody who goes from family to family and falls in love with these families and then doesn't have anyone at the end of your life. And you kind of have this like genuine, like, oh, moment. I had that same feeling when I listened to Sylvia sort of explain what it's like, like, losing that part of your um identity over time well yeah and i I mean i think that's also why the 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 you know a couple that's that's married the longest that's that's truly happy like so much of it is just based on comfort and feeling really comfortable and safe you know and 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 you as as either partner being like super um possessive like doesn't make someone feel safe you know like it it's Mm a it's an intense feeling and it's 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 such an easy way to push someone away and i think that this episode this resolution sort of speaks to how you know also how like their marriage works because he he knows she's not going anywhere he knows she loves him they've built this beautiful family together they have all these memories together but like if it makes her feel good to have the butcher wink at her then like like, good. That's nice. Like, it, mm-hmm. it's nice. It makes her feel beautiful. It makes her feel, you know, seen and, and it doesn't hurt anything. And like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't know. I don't, I think that that's just kind of fine, you know? Well, and clearly Morty has some kind of cuck fetish. It sounds like Hey, listen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not here to kink shame. There's nothing wrong. Yeah, with that. Um, I mean, this, I, I, but I like to always say, but what if my kink is kink shaming? When people accuse that's me, that's a of good it. point. I always that's say a that. Good point. Maybe I always say is. that because I, I get accused of that a lot because I am. You're very sex judgy. Negative. Yeah, yeah, I'm judgy and I'm pretty sex negative. Um, <laughs> um this episode, this episode had so much good stuff. Uh, we talked last week also about physical comedy, and this episode had so many good examples of physical comedy that's really done 
so right. But the but the best scene I thought was um, the it's it's so Fran is upset. She can't sleep and she comes in everyone's sleeping in sylvia's house so like there's not a ton of bedrooms obviously it's a small apartment so you've got the pull out couches out and niles is sleeping on the floor and there's all of this like just great direction like shenanigans with like cc is getting is is in gets well so niles and mr sheffield are both in the living room and niles is sleeping on the floor mr sheffield is sharing the bed with his son Brighton is having a kickboxing nightmare and kicking the crap out of Mr. Sheffield. So they wake him up and he goes in the other room and then he has to kick Cece out of her room. And then Cece comes in and then she gets into bed uh, thinking she's getting into bed with Mr. Sheffield, but he's already gotten out of bed to go talk to Fran in the kitchen. And Niles has gotten off the floor because he's been stepped on multiple times and he gets in the bed and it's just, it's great. It's all really, really funny and it's so smooth and well-directed. Um, but then they end it with like this really creepy Niles moment <laughs> where Cece climbs into bed with him and he makes some, she, you know, and he has his eyes open and is fully aware that she's getting into bed with him. And he's sort of smirking like, haha, I'm going to like pull this one on her. And then she gets into bed with him, seemingly grabs his like junk because then he makes a comment about like, that's not what you think it is. That's not the heating pad or something like that. Yeah. That's not the water bottle. If that's what you're looking for. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a weird bit, man. (laughs) Well, it's a weird bit almost only because you're like, Cece, like tone it down. Everyone's in this apartment and you're trying to start something with Mr. Sheffield when his children are like in the next room and all this. But I thought it was more cruel of Niles because it didn't seem like he was deriving pleasure from this in terms of like sexual pleasure. It seemed like he couldn't wait to humiliate Cece. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it was just cruel. It was like needlessly cruel. And also (laughs) he was like, it, it was just, it was all weird. You know, like if he was, it's almost funnier if he's asleep and then he wakes up and she's already doing it. And he's like, Ooh, you know, but, but for um, him to be awake waiting, like letting the whole thing unfold just to humiliate her was so mean. I, I, think, I think it's really funny because since, you know, we go back and we edit these episodes and we, we re-listen for so long, we were just so happy and pleased with everybody just being mean to Cece. And we were like, that's the purpose that she serves. And I feel like there's been this shift in us recently where we're like, man, like Cece, like, I, I just, I wish you, I wish you valued yourself more to get yourself out of these situations. <laughs> yeah. I wish you removed yourself from this toxic environment. Like, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Um, um, but yeah, that was really, that was a really funny thing. My favorite line was when they first get to the apartment, Cece is like, where's your bathroom? And Sylvia points her that way. And then Brighton goes, where's your second bathroom? And Fran goes, <laughs> it's at the luncheonette on the corner, but make sure you order something. I recommend the grilled cheese. <laughs> So like, you know, they spent their whole lives using the restaurant next door's bathroom as their second bathroom. It's great, man. There, there was also, well, are we, are we doing favorite? We should have, we should oh, transition oh. if we're going to do, um, I guess we explained kind of the whole episode. We sort of touched on like the big, the, although I will bring up one last thing that wasn't a line, but was really funny is Sylvia brings Niles in from the other room after they're all changed to go to bed, just to point out that she let him borrow her world's greatest lover nightgown. 
and he's wearing it. And then they all laugh at Niles and that's the entire joke. <laughs> and I just thought, <laughs> I just thought it was funny that they were like, put this on him. He'll look hilarious. <laughs> and he did. It's like an over, oversized Florida tee. Like my mom used to yeah. wear those to bed, a huge giant t-shirt, a uh, novelty yes. tee. Also, we should mention that, um, you know, Sean, you touched on this, that, the episode ends with they're now all fully like acclimated to this lifestyle. They're all very happily watching Wheel of Fortune. Like they're yelling at the TV and then the blizzard clears up and they get to go. And there's this really specific button on this episode where yes. they're, they're in the limo, they're driving towards the airport. And then they just go, wait, where's Brighton? It cuts back to Sylvia's apartment and Sylvia goes more tongue. And then Brighton does the Kevin McAllister hands on face home alone scream um, yep. and that was the end of the episode. <laughs> and now segments. So segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now segments. Segments. Uh, with Sean and Toria. <laughs> so okay, we Worth we it. went over some. <laughs> we went Worth over it. some of our favorites. <laughs> Again. Favorite favorite line. Uh, uh, favorite okay, line so already, is yeah. is uh, have you been going through my meat, <laughs> which is funny both in and out of context. It's just a funny line, but it happens when Sylvia, you know, when when Fran finally confronts her mother about these notes she's been finding from the butcher, which she's been finding in the meat. She's like, "What about the notes from the butcher, mom?" And Sylvia's first reaction is she just goes, "Have you been going through my meat?" Which I just thought was such a good. <laughs> It's such a yes. good line. It sounds like an insane thing to say, but it's perfect in context, and it's it's really great. It's really really great. Um, um, I so one of my favorite little moments was um, Fran and Mister Sheffield are talking, and Maggie, you know, is crushing on this this boy who lives this Kenny boy who lives in the apartment, and uh, Maggie literally goes. I hear Jewish men make excellent husbands. And Mr. Sheffield like side glances at Fran and goes, I wonder where she heard that. And then Fran completely seriously and lacking like all self-awareness goes, probably Niles. He's always buzzing something in her ear. (laughs) Just just the idea that she like truly thinks that like that's something that Niles would have told Maggie and has no recollection of doing it herself. Like really made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, there was also another great, I had all my favorite lines were Sylvia, but it's, it's as they're getting acclimated, there's a scene where Gracie comes in and she's like, I'm doing the laundry. It's so fun. And Mrs. And Sylvia paid me a dollar to do it. And, uh, and Fran goes, ma, a dollar. And Sylvia goes, what? She's got no experience. (laughs) (laughs) And, And she fully commits to it. Like, she's just like. Yeah, she just go. She's she's all in, and that is a hundred percent something that my grandma would have said. Yep, um, and then I also love this line near the end after they're completely now fully absorbed in like the lifestyle of Sylvia's apartment. They're sitting in their like comfy clothes watching uh, Price is Right, and Niles just screams, "Buy a value twit!" <laughs> <laughs> like after he'd never even seen the show before several days earlier. Yeah, now screaming at the it- TV. It's adorable. It, this was a delightful episode. Um, and and we got our Yiddish uh, in the title this week. Yep. Schlep. And yep. so Schlep is to 
go a great distance that's a bit out of your way, usually yep. carrying something cumbersome and sometimes unnecessary. Yes. Um, yep. And then the the nanny trivia this week, it kind of ties in well to the fact that we had a lot of Sylvia and family stuff. So this is this is really a nanny correction time. So several episodes back, um, I mentioned that there was an Italian version of the show called La Tata. And Sean and I came to the conclusion that this like had to be an Italian remake, not a dubbed version, because so much about the character's backstory was different because it's like she wasn't from, she wasn't Jewish. She was from Italy, blah, blah, blah. I actually looked into it. It was, I think we'd been like, there's no way you could dub a show that have a, like change it. It was in fact dubbed. Wow. This is from Wikipedia. In Italy, the American series was heavily redubbed and named La Tata. It, um, Fran was renamed, Fran Fine was renamed Francesca Casase. Uh, from the Italian town of Sissiaria, central Italy. I, that's all butchered. Wow. I don't care. Though. People can, I don't care if people are mad. It says Sylvia Fine was renamed Zia Asanta, Aunt Asanta, a relative of Francesca's family, offering a shelter to her niece. Yetta, who was Fran's grandmother, was renamed Zia Yetta, Aunt Yetta, and the few bits of her backstory provided were altered to hide her Jewish origins. <laughs> Fran, was no, Fran was no longer of Jewish heritage, but hailing from a Roman Catholic family having become a lapsed Catholic. Almost mm. every reference to Jewish religion was altered accordingly in the show. In the Italian adaptation, Francesca's parents live in Italy and the only relatives who immigrated to the Americas were her two aunts and Aunt Asanta's uncle, uh, husband, Antonio, whose face is never seen. So that was Fran's father. Wow. And can you imagine? They had to basically rewrite and redub, not just dub. Wow. So what was schlepped away called over there? Oh God, I don't know. Maybe uh, I don't know. The one probably. where they, the one where they stay at her aunt's house. Um, yeah, and honestly, I, another thing I read about this is that they said that sometimes this led to like extreme rewrites in the dubbing, and it even said, admittedly, the episode where they go to a kibbutz made little sense. <laughs> wow, admittedly, yes. <laughs> I like that 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 someone had to admit that at some point, like. <laughs> like some Italian TV writer guy had to be like, yeah, no, that, that one episode was really tough. Just like at a certain point, it's like, wow, just remake your own goddamn show. Yeah. Like, That's it was, it, Yeah. Uh, just truly just erasing Fran actual uh, heritage. Origin. Yeah. That's heritage. Um, um, well, listen, um, that's a bummer, but this was a great episode mm-hmm. and I hope that they figured out a way to at least translate the best parts of this episode uh, for the benefit of, or I hope that a lot of Italian fans of the show eventually just were like, I got to see what this is at. What's mm-hmm. actually going on here? You know? Um, and then they found out it was about a Jewess and they, and they were they like, oh, never again, oh. <laughs> never again. Um, and then the Fran or the CC, I don't know. I don't think there's a clear, I don't think there's a clear winner in this one. I, I think we're both, um, we both really relate to, I, I feel caught in the middle because it was the Sheffields going to a Jewish home and that was my life. So, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, and I, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure what CC did in this episode really other than. Grab now's junk. 
<laughs> yeah, like so it's a tough one. You know, I don't I forget where she was even supposed to go. Uh, to some senators. Well, I mean, do you complain? Oh, right. She's she's going to right, she's going to sleep with the senator and and uh, for for nothing. Yeah. I guess, I guess the question is, would you make the best of this or would you complain? No, I would probably make the best of it. Okay, then you're the friend. Yeah, I would make the best of it. Um, um oh, all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, so we're both the friend. Is, both the friend. Well, this has been uh well, I said I was an in-between, but um, but okay, this has been I'm refusing to just be the friend. Um this has been a great episode. We this was super fun. Um please subscribe and rate and do all the things. It really, really helps us out. And we were really pleased to find out recently that people not you know, people who listen to this episode, they listen to the whole thing, which is sometimes rare for um yeah. for podcast listeners. So it makes us so happy that um either you fall asleep listening, uh, and that's why, or <laughs> you you actually, you know, want to hang with us. So I mean, I think it's because we've been keeping them tight and I think it's a perfect commute podcast. Uh, it's like short and sweet and you, we get you in, we get you out. So on that note, uh, I am Sean DePasquale. You can find me at Sean Wrights and Toria, where can people find you? Toria Sheffy on Instagram, two F's and a Y. Yep. And, and that's another episode of, Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Goodbye. Ta-ta. Toodaloo. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. Wait, wait, don't go yet. I know it normally ends there, but it's not over yet because we got a voicemail this uh-huh. week. Uh, the, so well, I've said this at the end of a bunch of episodes, but anchor.fm slash the nanny pod, there's a little button there and it says message and you can leave like a little audio message for us uh, to listen to with questions, whatever. Um, you can play it on the show. So we're going to, we're going to, play the messages that we got from um, Angelica Flores. Thank you, Angelica. Hi, Angelica. Yeah, who is also a supporter and subscriber. So like huge thank you as well. Yeah, and that's also right next to the message button um, at anchor.fm slash thenannypod. There's a little support button where you can like press a button and and give us money, but you don't have to do that. It's just a thing you can do. It's not what the point of this is. We are very excited though to play this message and then we'll briefly like, answer a couple of Angelica's questions and, and then we'll let you guys get out of here. So, all right, uh, take it away, Angelica. Hey, Sean. Hey, Toria. Um, y'all mentioned on this latest episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield that you wanted more audio messages. So I took the bait. Here I am. Uh, my name's Angelica and you probably see me in your Instagram comments. So I'm really thankful that y'all are doing this. It's feeding my soul. Thank you so much. Two things. One, Toria, I feel you about being super pissed when your cousin was born. I don't know why I need to share that with you, but that I really felt that on, on a spiritual level. Second of all, Sean. We want to hear about the crazy people you've dated. We want the tea. Every week, we should get a little snippet of just your dating life. If you don't mind sharing, I think that'd be awesome. Okay, so uh, what do you think, Toria? Our first message. I loved it. I thought it was very clear, very uh, like uh, concise. I usually have to leave dozens of messages before I get them right, so... 
I was I was really impressed that she kind of like came through under the pressure of calling this line. Yeah, it was really cool. She she didn't sound nervous or anything, and she said really nice stuff about us. And um, I I hear you. <laughs> I will definitely talk more about um, my calamitous past relationships. <laughs> I've I've discussed it with uh, with with Elizabeth. And she's fine if I dig into some of the dirt on some of those relationships. And so I think it's going to come up. I feel like I'm confident this will come up organically as we mm-hmm. talk about six seasons of a show that often revolves around romance and exes and dating. I do too. I do too. And if it doesn't, we'll find a way to shoehorn it in because uh, Angelica's <laughs> a paid subscriber and we honestly got to give the pay- the people that are paying us directly. I feel like we got to give them what they want. So um, uh, yes, I dated a girl who uh, 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 killed someone. Um, I once dated a adult uh, entertainment actress. We'll dish on all of it in upcoming episodes of Oh Mr. Sheffield mm-hmm. podcast about about Annie. The flashing girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield, I, uh, uh, Miss Fine. <laughs> <laughs>